Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Today's message is, There is Power in Numbers. Now, here's Pastor Kerry. Praise God. I got my exercise this morning. Hopefully you get your spiritual exercise today. Um, Lord is good. Lord is good. Well, Crystal has um, just been baptized. And what that means, later on we are going to vote her in to become members of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And um, God gave us the body of Christ for a purpose. Uh, one, to fulfill its mission, but ultimately realizing that no man is an island or woman and that we need each other to get through um, life. And God gave us each other to, to be together, to support, support each other, and to, um, to help us through our journey here. And today my title is There is Power in Numbers. And so let us pray. Father, Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the Sabbath, this, this time of worship, time of coming to you, time of sensing your presence in our lives. And, and Father, may your Holy Spirit lead us as we open your word. And please, Father, open our hearts and our minds to, to what you have for us right now. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, in Ecclesiastes 4.8, it says, There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom I am toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless. A miserable business. Uh, the wisdom here is that someone who is striving for his own mountaintop experience, to be all alone, um, gaining as much wealth as possible, and at the end realize that person has nothing. It's meaningless. And you think about it when you focus um, on purpose of life, reason of being here, what truly matters. You know, it gets a little... We have to realize that life tries to pull us away from what really matters. For example, things that come into our lives um, that draw us away from what is meaningful. For example, this person and his wealth. Building the business, busiest or the biggest business he could possibly get. That's what matters. The more he has, the more he wins in life. So some of us could be driven by that one. Driven by the success of life. So, so focused on um, what they can accomplish that they often neglect what truly is 
meaningful. Then we have the new creation of technology and our iPads and our cell phones, causing more and more isolation, thinking that we can just experience some kind of relationship with the thing called Facebook or Instagram. And you think these are real relationships that we might have just based on, you know, pressing a few buttons and saying a few words. But besides that, then we can get distracted in the games and the activity that comes. And we're just more and more isolated from what truly, really matters. In the end, you're going to be looking at your life at 80 years old, and you're like, well, one day I scored a million points on Super Mario Brothers. That was so important to me. And now, what is going to matter at that time are the people by your bedside caring for you. And it's all based upon the relationships that you've made in your lifetime. It's a reflection on what truly is meaningful. What truly is meaningful. He goes on and says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? There's power in numbers. It's better when we're going through this journey together rather than on our own, in our own isolated way. Ozan. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is, is not quickly broken. I was going to use the prop. You know, you've seen it. Get a stick out. Hey, a virtual stick here. Um, and you, right, break easily. Put two sticks together. It's harder. Three sticks together. It's harder. A group with a whole bunch of sticks, impossible, right? There is power in numbers. There's power in um, being together. And, you know, it's interesting. We live in a society. I remember one time I was call portering, which means I'm going door-to-door selling books. And there is a town in, in North Carolina where I'm going, and there's houses, you know, far apart from each other. It's out in the country. And one of the tricks of the trade is to kind of figure out who your neighbors are. And like you go to like the older home because we sell children's books and we're like, oh, you know, and we ask about our neighbors and who's around. And it was amazing to me how little people knew about their neighbors. How we don't know who our neighbors are. Do you know your neighbors? I have my next door, I know. But other than that, I don't know who my neighbors are. I like to mow my own yard because that's an opportunity to say hi to people as they walk by. 
So we live in a world where we're further distancing our, ourselves apart from, from interaction, from people. In Japan, it's becoming such a huge problem. Of course, you know, suicide is an all-time high. And that they have to they create robots for relationships. Because no one's, no one's having children anymore there. Or not no one, but less and less people. And they're distancing themselves from each other. Christ says, I form the body of Christ. And when we come to him, we come in unity with the others. And we bond together. It's the the most beautiful thing about a congregation. Is bonding together. But sometimes, you know, churches can be just little, little pockets of people. Isolated. And not connected. It's not designed that way. Human nature and um, the way of life, remember, it's tendencies trying to take us away from connecting. So you have to make a concerted effort to bond, to bond. And you think maybe, oh, it's so difficult to make a friend. It's so hard, man. It's, you know, I'm tired. I work all day and, you know, people are exhausting. Right? And you go home, sit in front of your TV screen, eating your 10 gallons of ice cream. And like, this is life. Opposed to going to somewhere and connecting and bonding with people. It was great. Last week we had Alan Hart come and talk about relational health. And it's just interesting. Like we all have these patterns of of communication that cause us to, to separate from each other. And if we could just break out of those patterns, break out of our pride, our fears, and so on we could easily have healthier relationships. So maybe the goal isn't to distance ourselves. And the goal is, if oh, I've tried. I'm trying to make this be friends with this guy, but he keeps punching me in the nose. Maybe we have to find a different way of connecting with people. A more meaningful way. Some of it is what's the reason why, you know, I talk to someone and how are you? And that person says, fine. How are you? Fine. So we tried to communicate. Hey, I I did my best. I talked. I said hi. Instead of like really giving yourself to someone. I'm okay. I've had a rough week. My, you know, mom is sick. You know, I'm struggling with this. It takes being real with each other to have real relationships. But we could go on our life on our own little way, 
One of the saddest things is when I used to go door to door, we used to run into these elderly people and they act like they haven't seen a human being in about 10 years. And they cherish the moment to talk to someone. And they talk and talk. And I can go for 20 minutes and them still talking. And realizing that so often in our lives, we, we've, we've pushed people away, pushed people away. And before you know, you're all alone. And then you, when you want to need people, they're no longer there. Spend your time on what really matters. Your success your achievements, all these other things. In the end, it is truly meaningless without the people you love next to you. I would say that's one of the biggest issues with, with couples is people are so focused on just trying to go on their own and do their own and create their own success that they forget to connect and bond with each other. Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The word day, capitalized, judgment day. Jesus coming again as the day approaching. What does it say? What what we need to do? Even more so now, if we believe that Jesus is coming soon, even more so now, let us bond together. Let us not go run away and separate separate ourselves and hide in in the forest. But let us bond together. Because we need each other. Because life is becoming harder and harder. We need each other. Finally, in 1 John 4.12 says, No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete. How true that is. Have you seen God? Back in the 60s, I thought I saw God. <laughs> I wasn't born in the 60s. But, so <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? <laughs> if you think you saw God, you probably think your people will think you're crazy, Right? How many of you see the face of God? Maybe you can feel him, sense his presence. But how many of you have seen what he truly looks like besides the pictures you see? You haven't. Where do you see God? Where do you see God? With each other. With the people around us. 
That is the only way we sense, really see God. You, you know it because sometimes you're having a bad day and someone comes and picks you up. That's a God moment. You just saw God. You are driving along and you got a flat tire on the freeway and it's pretty scary. Someone stops, helps you up, helps you on your way, you take off. That's a God moment. You see the birth of your child and see how amazing and how beautiful. And how God had given you this person in your life to care for. You see God then. Or when you fall in love, you meet the person that you're going to marry. That God had handpicked this person. And you see it. And you sense this great, incredible emotion, this love that you have. And you say, man. God has been there for me. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. A church, see that? How do we show love or God to people? It isn't by being right. I'm right. I'm going to show you God. I, 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 you know, I... I used to think that I need to show this person who God is, right? And it wasn't working out. It was a Bible worker. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go there and tell them who God is. And I'm like, I'm going to show them because the Bible says this is who God is, and this is who God is, and this is who God is, and the way you believe is wrong, and this is right. This is who God is. Then I started to realize that this person is a child of God, just as I am. This person has access and 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 to God the same as I do. And as we started to share our experiences, our own experiences of God, truth will kind of reveal itself, and all of a sudden we bond based upon the sharing and caring that we have for each other. So as a church, as Christians, how do we show people God? By loving them. By loving one another. Crystal just joined our community. We love you. Crystal's family. You know what? This church, we hope you um, can sense God's love by the fact of how we Love, not by the fact that we are the right church. So, when you go home and you want to yell at your kids, or when you or get mad at your spouse, get scream at your brothers and sisters. You get on the freeway and show your hands to the people driving for some reason. Or when you get to work 
and you're so stressed out and you're taking all your junk and you're yelling at them. Or the people around you. That is when we are or not showing them God. We show as Christians. We show our neighbor. We show our brother. We show our spouse. We show our children. We show our co-workers. We show our people in the community. God. Only by our love. Let us love. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise you so much for this opportunity to experience you. Thank you for loving us. Loving me. Despite all my mistakes, all my wit, um, my flaws, you still love me. And Father, I just pray that you help us uh, realize that as we experience your love, you've given us an opportunity to share that. And as we share it, we are revealing you to the people around us. Lord, help us to love because we are loved by you. We pray all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.